because you're jumping back into the gap. Oh, let's hey, go. Coach. Welcome to the Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Oliver. I appreciate you joining us for this week's podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit basketballimmersion.com for more coaching resources and access to all the basketball podcasts. I hope you will give us a shout out on social media, on Twitter at Bball Immersion, or on Instagram at Basketball Immersion to help me continue to share the game. Enjoy the episode. Awesome to welcome Australian NBL Aurora Hawks head coach Jacob Jacomis to the Basketball Podcast. Jacob previously acted as Australian coaching legend Brian Gorgian's assistant coach for more than a decade. His extensive coaching resume includes stints in the NBL, China, and the Australian Boomers program over the past six years. Jacomis was recently made the international scouting corner for the Australian national basketball team, the Boomers. He just completed his first year as an Australian NBL head coach. Jacob, welcome to the Basketball Podcast. Thanks for having me. Big fan. Big fan of yours. I mean, you did a master class in our community uh, a while back and uh, tremendously well-received and just brilliant stuff. And we'll dive into that in a second. And uh, now, a year later, you're a head coach. How's that going? Yeah, it's a, it's a trip. It's, a, it's been good. Um, it definitely hasn't gone the way um, we thought when we were recruiting the team. So um, I've dealt with a lot, but um, I'm a big believer of growth, and um, I got to I got to be able to grow a lot um, from the assistant to the head coaching role, but also with everything that we dealt with this year. So um, you know, with that, um, good things could happen. Good things will happen, and uh, you know, people that uh, certainly from Australia and some people around the world know your name, and uh, just some great clinics online coaches as well. If you want to Google them. But, uh, you know, let's start maybe from the origin story a little bit in terms of how you got into coaching, but then how you connected with one of the most famous and most successful coaches in the world and Brian Gorgian. Yeah, it's a, it's not much of a story. Um, obviously, uh, the Kings were training at the same facility that my junior club was at. And um, I was just coaching kids in the morning one time. And, um, you know, I ended up coaching a representative team. Um, not thinking too much of coaching, just wanted to be involved in basketball and um, just enjoyed being around youthful people and it kept me, kept me youthful. And um, then um, ended up coming across a, uh, an assistant coach of Brian's named Bill Tomlinson, who I coached his um, stepdaughter at the time. And um, from there, he asked me to run the clock. I went and run the clock. I didn't get paid, in, quit my job. I was an electrician. Uh, I was I was doing quite well. Um, I come from a Greek background, so um, <laughs> my parents and uh, my family thought I was crazy. I uh, quit that just to be involved in something for a year, and it was only going to be a year, and then just got the bug, as um, as everyone does on this uh, podcast, and gave up everything, uh, committed into it. I mean, I know there's some articles about working in pizza shops and cleaning airplanes and stuff <laughs> like that. Uh, went to China with Brian and never stopped from there which has been and got to an olympics thought that was as good as it was going to get now that which it was obviously and now um this head coaching role which is which is unbelievable it's a great story and uh you know great success great experiences along the way and uh we mentioned a few of them obviously being with brian in china and then clearly back in the nbl and then also being with the Olympic team. So let's maybe start with Brian just a little bit. I know he's a huge mentor for you. What are some good takeaways uh, that uh, we can apply as coaches from working with Brian? Um, I think one thing is his mindset is um, is unbelievable. If it's regard, there's three things I would say is work ethic, obviously, um, is one. Uh, second thing is putting people, um, players and coaches, including myself, in positions to succeed always. So taking that responsibility as a leader to make sure that everyone around him is successful and sometimes to the detriment of himself. You know what I mean? And the last one that um, you, you wouldn't understand unless you, you work those sidelines with him was his unbelievable ability to, um, to, to never quit and what winning, what, what it takes to win. You know what I mean? And, um, I only learned that like, you know, maybe seven or eight years in when we were in China about him where, you know, like sometimes you look at him and you go, man, this guy just won't lose. You know what I mean? And for I know the coaches seem to think they have a lot of control during the games, but I think the players are a little bit more important than us is 
but the how he puts himself in that as a basketball coach and if it's the belief in the players or the no excuses you know the accountability whatever you want to call it what he does during a game to win is just is just unbelievable and you know if there's one thing i miss about him it's the obviously the friendship and the mentorship but it's it's just how do i replicate that which um, i haven't been able to do well, I imagine it's a lot of experience to be able to get to that point and a lot of understanding of humans. And I'd like to dive a little bit deeper into that. Like, is it is it a question of being able to say the right thing at the right time and saying something very specific? Is that kind of what we're talking about here? I think it's that whilst being himself. Mm. You know what I mean? Like not trying to be anyone else and be totally confident. Um, not, I mean, not arrogant, obviously, but confident in in who he is as a basketball coach. And that take that that does take a lot of times. And if you try to replicate that in your first year, you'll end up failing because you can't be that guy. But when you looked at and and you and you put him in a bow um, with it, and I, there's there's a couple of stories. We were standing on a sideline in China away, and we had three or four guys, um, you know, kicked out of the game. Um, it was you know one of those mythical games you talk about in China where you're not going to win. Um, and people that have been in China do understand that. Uh, he snapped his head, said a few profanities to me, basically saying, we're not losing this one. There is no way in the world we're losing this one. And you just, you you felt that with his behavior and the way he went about it, his energy, you know what I mean, that way. And then when saying being in himself, I remember at the Olympics, one of the assistants uh, come up to me and goes to me, you know, uh, Gorge is mucking up the play calls a bit and he's, you know, this and and I go, yo, he's been doing this for however many years he's doing. He's been mucking them up since day one. He'll get it done. You know what I mean? So, you know, being being the the unbelievable leader that he is, but being the guy that can make mistakes as well, and and everyone everyone getting around that. You know, loving the fact that he's the leader that he is, but also loving the fact that he's human is uh, I just think is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And, and it reminds me a lot of self-efficacy and some of the research around that and coaching, which just basically implies that people have a belief in this person. And and that's what you're kind of describing is that ultimately he gets across to the players that they can believe in him and that he and they together will find a way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's that's the biggest challenge. If you were to ask me now is, I mean, we might as well end the podcast right now is there's <laughs> coaching right now because as as we all say, is the X's and O's, and I know a lot of people say that, and there's different methods, and no one's wrong. But if you can get that right, and I mean, again, is that's what we all strive for. I definitely am. You know, what I mean, definitely not there is, but I have an understanding that's important. Um, that's the best. That's the best lesson I ever got from him, and I'm still learning it from him. Yeah, and I can remember that from my first few years as a head coach too. That uh, even though I felt confident and capable and all those different things, there's still those reminders every game of humility, aren't there? Those, those moments where I go, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> I, I should know, I should be able to do that. I know better. I could do better. And, and these are all lessons that you learn. And the only way to learn them, just like we say with players is by doing. So every experience helps you become better, doesn't it? Absolutely. And that's in success and failure. And you, you know, that's it. That, that, that sums him up. And that's why he's the, he's one of the best ever. And especially the best in Australia to ever do it. So I love your analytical mind. I mean, got into that a little bit with that master class. You talked about scouting and uh, some of the different codings and different things that you do. But, uh, you know, I, I want to talk a little bit maybe about this self-reflection phase that you're in right now. Just finished your first head coaching year, and now you're self-reflecting. What are some things you're doing to be able to analyze from both the, you know, the, I know you talk about gut instinct versus analytical instinct. So talk about those two areas in terms of analyzing. I think I think um, the biggest thing changing from an assistant to um, to a head coach and um, the amount of experience, even though it's minimal compared to some of the guys I'm going up against, um, where I'm sort of starting again. You're sort of like in pri- in primary school or in, or in junior school, however you call it in the states. You're like you become you get to the end of that and you're the top dog. And then you go to high school and then you're the bottom again. And that's that's where I'm at. But the one thing with becoming a head coach i think you do need to trust your gut a little bit more and sometimes in the heat of the battle um you know and this is my experience in the small small part i've had in the nbl is 
is in the heat of the battle where you are getting the information, you know what I mean, from your assistants and that analytical information that I pumped out for years and years, and that's what made me who I am, is sometimes it, the biggest, one of the biggest challenges when you say it is was going, oh, no, I'm not listening to that right now, and I'm going with this human being. You know what I mean? And and when you sit in that seat and you've got that responsibility, you know what I'm saying? It is good to, you have to absorb all the information, which is difficult in itself. And, um, you know, uh, that way, but also is, is you have to be confident on that sideline and especially in those first couple of years. And what happened to us is we, we were losing a lot. You know what I mean? Is you can't self self doubt what's got you into this seat. And that is, that is, a lot of it is, is your gut whilst now um, getting all the information away from the actual game. You know what I mean? That way. And then, and then deciding before you get to the game, this is what, this is the decision, this is what I'm listening to in this game. So if it's a, at the bare minimal, if you're playing, um, if you're playing someone, and this is a very minimal stat, and you go to yourself, we have to win the rebound count to win this game. So you listen to that to the death and everything else you can do by feel. You know what I mean? So that's when I go into the game right now and I watch the scout and I read all the information and we get uh, the instat stuff, the huddle stuff, and then our assistance. You know, we've got a bunch of sources. We get information is just before I go to the game. This is what I'm listening to today analytically. And then everything else I'm going with myself. And because when I walk off that floor, I'm going to have zero regret. You know what I mean? Because I've gone with what I've done since day one. And we all started coaching basketball off gut and feel, not off it. Because when we did the the young kids or however we started in junior basketball, we never got a stat sheet. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, so so doing that is that that way, that's been a major challenge because I've been such a believer and such a fighter for analytics with the people that I've reported to my whole life. So it's been a it's been it's been a really big change that way. Still believing it all, but um, funneling it into and keeping it keeping it very simple for yourself because you've got so much more to deal with on game day as a head coach. One one of my favorite quotes I read in preparing for this, you said, is basically your job is to figure out how to beat other coaches whilst learning off of other coaches and other teams. And I'm just what a brilliant way of putting it. Can you just could dive deeper for us with that? Yeah, I mean, like, so when you want to beat someone, so if you're in a if you're in a fight, so if if we're in a fist fight, you have to have an unbelievable belief that you're better than the person that you're fighting. Yeah, you know I mean, but with coaching right now, is you've got to you've got to be unbelievably better with them whilst understanding them and understanding what they're trying to achieve. And a lot of these people you're competing against, if it's um, the guy at New Zealand that likes playing the half court a little bit more, or Adelaide who run a little bit more on this and that, whatever. They're the best at their field at what they do. You know what I mean? So we need to try to, you know, when you go and you do that is, and then you can pick apart what they do well, and then you put it into your system to grow into your system. Once, and I know a million, and you probably had this a minute, if you stop learning in this game, you should stop coaching. You know what I mean? If you stop learning off the people you compete against, you know what I mean? And and you start to get that arrogant feel that you're the best in the, in the league. Because the coach of the year isn't the same person every year. It's the person that does the best with what they have and the best best at what they're going up against at the time. And it's how it all works. So, um, you know, um, basically right now is, and, and the Olympics for me is because I wasn't coaching and I was doing more scouting was, uh, and, and I, I didn't feel that pressure of player pressure or, 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 you know, staff pressure. It was just, that's where I found out that the most is that, I'm never going to be better than Greg Popovich, but I could I could beat him on a day if I learned from him. So I love it. It's a healthy competitive mindset to to say I want to compete, but I also honor and value the learning and the experience that this other team is going to give me. So I love that. And then I wanted to ask you about the Olympics because this this role of yours, which is you know scouting international scouting coordinator for the Australian national basketball team, great title, man. The, the hardest thing about that has to be filtering all the things you learned. So instead of talking about just the learning, let's talk about how do you go through the process of filtering all the things you learned into this funnel to decide what you actually might use? That's, that's, that's one of the greatest questions ever to be asked, to be fair, like um, in regard to, and this is, and um, I'll, I'll go into our season right now. And, and 
and moving into the seat I used to sit into that is 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 the Olympics helped me where you you have to basically say I will never be able to do that. Yeah, you know I mean with with my team. Yeah, you know I mean, and that's the hardest thing for a coach to um to um to to admit. You know what I mean? Because you see something really cool as a basketball coach, and you go, "Man, I wish I could do that with with our team." Because that's what we want to as as a thing is that's our brand, and that's what we want to show. We want to be the guy that found the exit cut on a Spanish pick and roll that 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 someone did in this and that, and they go, "Man, Jacob saw that first. You know what I mean, or something like that. Or I got this from Chris. You know what I mean? That's the biggest compliment you could sort of get as a as a as someone that's a student of the game, you know what I mean? Is is that's it? But but getting your ego aside is, and I learned that it started with doing clinics, and I was a big dribble. Um, I'm a still a, a big dribble drive guy with, with junior basketball. I think it teaches jump stop and pivoting, spacing, cutting. You know what I mean? And ball movement. I think it's and whilst you get to play basketball, and people can disagree or not, but that's as junior thing is now with the pros. There's no way we got that time to do that. You know, and the first time you lose your ego as a coach, um, there is when you go to a clinic and you go, it, it's going to look horrible. <laughs> it's going to look horrible because it's not neat. And these coaches are going to look like there's going to be four on one side. The five man's going to be in the lane. This, But that's playing basketball and that's coaching. You know what I mean? And coaching it. When you go to the Olympics and you go, you got to look at it and you go, Luka Doncic is really good at basketball. You know what I mean? Is And I go, I love and I got Justin Robinson. I love Justin Robinson to death, but I reckon Justin's going to say, I reckon Luca's got me. You know what I mean? Off pick and roll. Yeah, I mean, maybe yeah. not picking up the ball up the floor, this and that, whatever. So, I mean, it wasn't that hard because when you're at that level, it's so realistic that you don't have Kevin Durant. You don't have, um, you don't have Chris Paul. You don't have um, those guys. But what you have to do is, as a coach is, and this is what, and this really helped me this year. Is I was so blessed to have the guys I had. You know what I mean? And 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 some of them in their different fields were the best at what they do and the best in their space. And that's and that's the best thing to do is as a coach is if you have the best in your space, you need to be able to put them in the best position. And you need to lose your e ego that way. And it wasn't that difficult, but. As a as a as a student of the game, as we all are, it, it was an unbelievable experience. No fans sitting up with all the scouting guys next to us in the thing, just just big nerds of basketball. And I got to live that with our coaching was was just I can't believe I got to do that. It was unbelievable. Uh, it's tremendous and tremendous advice just to be able to say I love it, but I can't do that with my team and my roster. Yeah. And that's that's perfect. That's a simple way of looking at it and explaining it. So, thank you for that. And now. One thing we are going to look at that you can do with your roster is spread, pick, and roll. So let's dive a little bit into your spread, pick, and roll and some of your philosophies around that. And I'm imagining you've married some of your deep dives in terms of the dribble drive offense and added some of the spacing penetration reaction to what you do as a system. Is that correct? Yeah, much more simpler at the pro level. Mm -hmm. um, then I did the high and some people level. might not think that, right? They would think more complicated at the pro level. So explain to us why simpler. So, um, at, I mean, I was, I was lucky enough. And uh, when I came back from China, it was done on purpose to go back and, and do a junior and some junior, some junior basketball. And I was lucky enough in the, there's a school system in, the, in, a, in Australia and Sydney, especially where, um, you know, they're quite good jobs, uh, high school basketball jobs in Sydney. And I was, I was lucky enough to be at Knox Grammar School. And uh, it was the first school um, in Sydney where they had all year round basketball. So they had what they called is when we were in league was, you know, summer basketball and in the off season was winter basketball. And I was able to really grow as a basketball coach in regard to how I taught skill. And then, and then how, when I started to implement offense within the skill. And that's when I went into that dip, dribble drive, um, realm of, um, you know, I wanted to teach jump stop pivoting. I wanted to, uh, ball movement, but I wanted to teach dribbling and cutting. You know what I mean? And I just felt so I was able to um, to do that. And the school stuff, as we progressed it from year seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, where in the pro stuff, it's um, it's six weeks and go. 
And then you, you, we do have a lot of teaching in the in in the season. Now our guys obviously pick it up a little bit better, but I don't have that bulk of time with them. So um, the school stuff had a lot more reads, but there is a lot more things that we do, and there was a lot more movement or false movement to get us into that where. Just, and I'll give you an example. If we back cut in the school stuff, we'd reverse it and get into a three side and we keep moving it until we get it. If we back cut into with the pros, we're in a we're in what we call um, you know, like a Spain pick and roll or a stack pick and roll. We we call it, we call we name everything after our our city. You know what I mean? Um, we've got a pin down action and an on ball that, you know, so once we back cut instead of ball side-to-side movement, as you see in high school basketball, we get to the point. And it's depending on who's where on the floor. You know what I mean? So if the if the guard gets it, we back cut, we're in a Spain action. If the big gets it, we back cut, we're in some Spinoulis action. You know what I mean? And we're just playing. Now, if it's a guy that's not good off pick and roll, we're in some split action. You know what I mean? So the 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 the, the young kids stuff was much more complicated and much more teaching involved. Where the 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 um same same thing though, where it becomes where you're where it's sort of unguard like where you can't prepare for it. It's the same mindset, but the pro stuff is is movement to get to the point, and then the point is on who's in the action. Is it a split guy? Is it an on ball guy? Does the big have it? Yeah, basically, and um, you know that's the biggest difference between the both right now. Um, that way. And then, um, you know, obviously getting into the spread, we'll obviously with some more questions, we'll get into the spread. And then a, a lot of it is, is how we got, we got into it is, is really interesting this year. You know what I mean? And, and why we got into it. Well, it's fascinating to hear you talk about that. And it totally makes sense when you say it about the two different levels. Brian is famous for obviously spreading uh European ball screen. I forget what you guys call it. Flow. Is that uh, flow? Yeah, the, yeah. the Australians call it flow. Yeah, flow. Right. You are a part of learning that system. So let's maybe start with that. Then, how has that system influenced this evolution to spread? Yeah. So I mean, this year, what happened was I wasn't re- really, and and it, it 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 stemmed from Andre Lamanis first. He was as right. good as it gets. Um, and yeah, credit where credit's due is. Um, you know, one thing with him, and I'm sorry to get off topic, but I got to give him a unbelievable heads up because I don't really know him that well is is we were able to get all the video from the boomers before uh, because Brian took over from from Andre and I was able to watch practice and some of the teaching he did and the learning I was able to do from him without even meeting from a second was 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 unbelievable and 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 I know he's in Japan right now but I we gotta I gotta give a man some credit because it was unbelievable but um what happened to us this year was, um, so we had a, and uh, I would never make an excuse, but we had four um, season-ending injuries this year to our Americans, and two of them in the point guard spot. Mm. And we had a lot of growth as coaches um, in regard to, and and the playing group, in regard to, we had, um, we started off with Justin Robinson, who was a downhill guard, as as the the stereotypical NBA downhill guard, the pressure on the rim. You know what I mean? So we started on a style of play that involved the floor spread for him. And then we went, then we we came in and he got hurt in our first game uh, for the season. Um, and then we were lucky enough, six or seven games in, uh, we kept playing that way with our, with our development players, as you say, as for development for them. You know what I mean? And then we brought in um, Peyton Siva, who's more stereotypically a European guy. You know, and both of them, unbelievable human beings, um, unbelievable be human beings, and both of them, and and with and Peyton because of his travels, were able to do great learning from him. But the problem was when Peyton came in, we went back into that European horns, uh, um, you know, uh, a, a lot of half court, heavy pick and roll, multiple pick and roll, where he's touching it a couple of times and making place for everyone. Where Jay, where where J Rob is downhill, hit it, move it, and then we're, we're going to get on the rim. So it's a totally different style. Then what happened? Peyton went down for the season, and we came back into our into our um back with our development guys. And as we had, we had a block of um, 
I think it was 14 games where we decided not to bring another American in, you know what mm-hmm. I mean, and develop our guys, which is sort of an unheard of experience for the prof- prof- for for professional for a professional team with the with the thing about having to win, right? What would happen now is as they their MBL minutes were limited, and now they were being the first on the scout sheet. We needed to give them some help. So I have a I have a seven foot big man that can dribble it a bit, and uh, in in Sam Froling. So as I was like originally, what we used to do the old pressure release, hit the elbow. Yeah, you know I mean hit the elbow against pressure, um, you know, and then we play out of hooks and drags that way. Go back, get it back. And I was sort of like, well, you know, we want our we want our guards to get the second and second. It'd be easier for them with movement, but mm-hmm. it was hard for them to get the ball over halfway. So what we ended up doing is let the five man carry it with the floor spread. And um, Chase, and again, is I compete and it's our crosstown rivals. Chase Buford does a great job with it with the Kings. You know what I mean? But um, so I said to myself, we got an investment in Sam the way through is. Let's spread it and let's not put him on the block or get him on the block second and third touches. Now, during the year, we're not good enough, you know what I mean, to get that down. But we've got an understanding now is, is, is now is leave the paint. We've got Justin coming back. Um, we've got a couple of other guys that can put, put pressure on the rim and let's reverse it through the five now, which is stereotypically not what happens. It's usually through the four. And let's play in that spread environment which involves drags, which involves our flow that all our kids know how to play because it was a standard offense in Australia and um, and where it gets ball movement and cutting in a different way. And so it sort of suits everyone that we've got right now. Now I'm getting into the major point, teaching points because the half-court stuff, finding stack or Spain, as you call it, finding a Zoom, um, you know, finding um, a post feed or finding a a split game or a blind pick, that's the easy stuff in basketball. Now what we're trying to teach is, and this is where I've spoken to a bunch of coaches. Uh, My girlfriend plays for the Townsville Fire. Um, Her coach is a great basketball mind. I go up there to visit her. Where do we run? Who runs to the front of the rim? Or I'm going to inbound it with a five so he can carry it. Do we run the four out and spread it? Or do we trail and we pick the way? You know what I mean? And, and the conversations that I've had about Jow's running responsibility has been phenomenal. You know what I mean? Because no one, everyone thinks they know, but they don't. And if anyone wants to hit me on an email to help me out a bit, I'll be listening to this. It'd be, it'd be fabulous. But I've gotten a thing now is we run the one and the four in the in into the at the forty fives or I don't know what the NBA call it now. Slot forty fives, yeah, yeah. Slot forty fives, appreciate that. And then we got the dead corners and the five men on the nail. Mm-hmm. Now from that game, you can do anything. You know what I mean? Is you can run a guy up the gut and run some spinulous action when the five's got it. You know what I mean? Or you know you can do that game. You can go hit it, and we're in drags. You know what I mean? You can get into pistol, obviously, with the floor spread. You know what I mean? Then you've got our flow action. So basically, and then with all our concepts, split game is a concept, stack game is a concept. We got an exit cut out of a stack game. If they double it, you know, that sort of stuff. There's different things. And now it all marries up. It all marries up. And hopefully we bring it into the half court as well. So when we run horns, we spread it. Out of, so we let them, we play in the half court. Now we split, we got the same concepts, you know, and what we've done this year with all this time we'd have with all this bad luck that everyone and everyone feeling sorry for me, I've been able to be really clear and real simple on what we're doing offensively. You know what I mean? And that's, that's where, where, when you go into a first year of a job, you want to run everything because you're on TV for the first time you do it. I'm keeping this thing so simple. And I learned that off chase. And I learned that off Adam Ford. These are the guys I'm competing against. You know what I mean? Which is, which is, which is really, which is really, which is really cool. You know, so um, I'm really excited with how this spread game and, and putting guys in different positions is going to go. And we don't have to recruit for it. That's the other great thing. You know what I mean? Everyone can sort of play in it because everyone can sort of do something in this thing. You know what I mean? Which that's the biggest thing in the pro game and where we are at Illawarra is not having to recruit for what you do because we don't have, we're not a big time um, market. 
You know what I mean? We're not, you know what I mean? We're just, we are who we are and we, we love who we are too, by the way. And I wouldn't change it for the world, but it's a really good thing is that we can, in what we do is, and when I look at all my sheets on my table here, and that's how I'm looking at it, is I can go, well, this is where I can put Tyler to be successful. This is where, and you know what? He might not be successful with this, but he'd be just okay in it, and it's in for the next guy. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, it's really exciting that's, that's, that, that way we're trying to play. <clears throat> Your passion shines through, first of all, uh, which is awesome. I love how much you love coaching and basketball. Uh, and then the part that goes with that is obviously five out is so adaptable, the spread, whatever you want to call it. It's so adaptable. And I've been sharing with clients all year, kind of saying anything you like out of one, four high, you can run out of spread. Anything you run, as you alluded to all at horns, anything you run out of pistols, it can all be run out of this five out alignment. And it's so versatile. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun. So going back, let's start it from the beginning. So transition, you're a run first team. Uh, so that's the preference. Do they have designated lanes or are they do the designated spots or is it a little bit more free flowing in terms of that? That's, that's the biggest question um, we're getting right now. And I feel that um, that will evolve. I mm -hmm. think you, I think early on when you're teaching and let's go back to kids. I think early on when you're teaching um, you need to teach designated lanes. And once you get fluid in your concepts and the way you play, then you can start mix, mix, mixing and matching and uh, that way. Um, I still feel internationally, not so much in the NBA, there is still position, there is a little bit position basketball. I, I still feel think you need a point guard, you know what I mean, internationally. I think there is something to be said about what kind of five-man you have and what fours you have. But I do think as we're, as we're starting to get NBA talent in Australia, we can mix and match a bit, but you've got to be real careful about confusion. You know what I mean? Because you still don't have those. It doesn't matter where you are, junior basketball, senior basketball, maybe national teams, you might be, you, you might be, but you still have one or two guys that aren't those international learners or those that you need to make sure you're, you're, you're helping them um, do because you've recruited them. You know what I mean? And in the junior thing, it's even more is where you can't expect them to do something totally out of this, their, their package or their bag, as the, as the young kids would call it these, these, these days. But the, but the thing with it is, is I think early on you designate it. And then as you start to get it, and if your team gets it, because obviously how much you do it is comparative to your team, is then you start going, well, right now, you're the four, you run to the corner, the three's in, let's do this thing. And now, and I think that's when you get really, really good. Yeah, you know I mean, when you get into that box. Coach, I can't wait to get you back to the basketball podcast, but I wanted to take a brief moment to tell you about immersionvideos.com. Have you checked out immersionvideos.com? Watch an Oates practice and see how he has Alabama ranked in the top five nationally. Or get access to our new release featuring nine all-access practices from Alex Rama or other products from Tobin Anderson, Doug Novak, Dave Smart, Scott Morrison, Aaron Fern, Mark Cassio, Francisco Nanny, and more. Immersionvideos.com was created to provide value to coaches like you who are looking to stimulate their professional development by offering unique all-access tools necessary for you to be an outstanding coach who values learning and seeks to evolve. Go to Immersionvideos.com and check it out today. Such a great point, and even with my under-11 girls team, we're about you know, a month or so in, I find in, in the five out spots, the players, without me telling, and we obviously follow a bit of an ecological dynamic approach, but without me telling them, the best players are going to the best spots and the worst players are going to the worst spots. And we're running very conceptual, simple stuff. So I don't want to portray this as like they're really smart. It's just intuitively they kind of know. And I think that's really what I've seen in talking to coaches that players, even if you don't give them specific lanes, they figure out their best spots to go to. And generally, you're not going to say, no, don't go to that spot because I told you to go to this spot. They're going to figure it out. Is figuring it out yeah. a part of it? Yeah, I think so. I think that's what I'm saying, the transition of it. And this is as simple as it is. You don't have to plan for it in my eyes. And this was when I was more uh, dribble drive heavy at the school is. So I would, I would give them lanes. Now, I never sometimes um, – you know, the twos and the threes, run. I, I mean, I don't see the point of that, but I understand it. But the four-man inbounds it, the five-man runs to the front of the rim, 
just say, for instance, uh, old, old school lane running. You know what I mean? And then what would happen is at a practice is the four would be ahead and the five would be behind. You know, stop. And then the old teaching technique of stop. Don't start again, though. You know what I mean? You don't want to start again. Stop. Where are you? Uh, and then what the kids do is they put their head down because they think they stuffed up and walk back to their, no, play. You know what I mean? And now that's it there. Now it's the same thing. The two man gets it off the glass and dribbles it down the floor and the one man runs to the corner. Stop. Or the one man doesn't run. Usually the one man doesn't run because he's waiting there for the ball. What are you meant to do? Get the ball back to the one. No, go. You know what I mean? Now in certain situations, you know, and that's the best way to teach it, I feel. You know what I mean? Where you see it at practice, you let them play. You know what I mean? Because even my guys right now is like, we did all our exit interviews. Coach, we just want to play more. We'll practice longer. Just let us play. We'll practice longer? They were like, I was like, we'll go longer. Yeah, we'll practice longer if you let us play. We're playing. <laughs> We're playing. So, but I got to teach still, right? They go, yeah, coach. Yeah. And that's my guys. That, that's exactly so now it's stop, and that's where I don't think you come in and you go on March 26th or whatever the date is, you say to yourself, yo, we're going now, everyone can play every spot. I think it's like, a, I think you see it at practice and you go that's way, and that's the way I'm going to do it. Yeah, and if anything, you already alluded to that too, in the sense that you designate the lanes maybe early, and then gradually it becomes less structured as they get more comfortable. The other thing I want to piggyback on is just this concept, I always refer to it as follow feedback with action. You just said it. Don't stop and then have them go all the way back to the beginning and restart. Let them play from where you stopped it because then they get the perceptual ability to be able to see what they were screwing up or what they need to do better or what they could see. And then follow that with action. Follow your great feedback with action. And then such a great point. I'm so glad you brought that up. Uh, the other thing I want to dive into, I know Alex Rama, the BDT offense, he talks about triggers. I'm not sure if that's the word you use, but when you started to describe all the different possibilities for your spread offense. What are some things that trigger certain specific actions other than say play calls or matchups? Denial. Denial is a big trigger. Um, and where they're denying, uh, who they're denying. You know what I mean? So example is a three side, you know, a backdoor and a handoff is a usual three side. Now a backdoor, backdoor, you can't get it. They're capping the guy in the corner. That's denial. Coming off a handoff, reversing it back to either the point guard or the five man in the middle of the floor, that's that's a denial. And what you play out of that, you know what I mean? And then obviously, like we said, is denial denial is one. You know what I mean? Then then coverage and scout is a big one too. So unders on on balls um, is a big one. So how they how they cover you on 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 your um, uh, how do I say it? Like. Uh, more uh, a pick and roll coverage and a handoff coverage, and then going into that. That's not so much taking you out of your offense. It's more how they've decided or what they've decided at the pro level to let you have, mm -hmm. and then having an understanding that way. So, and I got to give an example because I don't know if I'm doing it great. Is is we run a drag pick and roll, and they drop to the elbow, and they allow our backup guard to shoot a pull up. You know what I mean? Is now. Our thing is, if we're an intelligent team, you know what I mean is, hey, man, let's get it through hands, get it through our four, who's our best player, reverse it through the three for a, you know, a handoff or a pitch, pitch and an on-ball, get it back to you. They're going to drop and you're going to get that shot at the end of the clock and we're going to be ready for defensive transition anyway. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? But that's, that's what I mean by coverage, understanding what the coverage is. You know what I mean? And then obviously if they double it, short rolls or trying to break the double, you know what I mean, that way. And then, and then, and then, so coverage and then denial is, is a big one. And then the last one for us, and we don't dive into that much, but we should, but I don't because I've still got that, that equal opportunity hat on is, is matchups. Hmm. Who is guarding who? You know what I mean? And I got to be a better basketball coach that way in regard to, I got to understand who can't guard this guy or, that way and then how we're going to do how we're going to do it and i've got to be a better i've got to be a much better coach my second year around because i was horrific at it last year yeah saying that but let, let's talk a little bit because i think again like media fans that don't really understand some of the nuances sometimes always say, oh you got to attack the matchup and all that and it sounds really simple 
And it is simple to a certain extent, but you do sacrifice something if you're always trying to attach, attack matchups. Can you talk about that part of it a little bit? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about switching. So, you know, they switch an onboard. You've got your one, and the, the one man's got the ball in the hand and the five. Now, what's the best shot? You know what I mean? Like, because a lot of times what you get is on the first side, a contested three. You know what I mean? With, with right now, now, what you do have is offensive rebound cover. You know? So now, just say with an isolation play, it's within movement. You know what I mean? It's so within, so what they do is when they switch you, when they double you, they're trying to take or they press. They're trying to take you out of who you are. You know what I mean? So if you can attack an isolation, this is when you get really good off it and stay within who you are. You know what I mean? So if you're a movement team, a dribble drive team, I remember at the school is there was a myth, or I don't know if it's a myth or not, by the way, but there was a concept going around that triangle and two mucks up the dribble drive. Hmm. I was like, all right, well, I'm telling you right now is our offense is more organized than their defense because no one spends the amount of time on a triangle or two than we do on 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 what we're doing because you've been doing this since year seven so go into the game like that yeah go into the game with that confidence you know so so go back to switch on the on ball get it through the four they switch that is blah they switch the handoff just say normal reverse action that everyone in the world runs on ball comes reverses the four handoff with the three bring it back to the one yeah, you still got your mismatch, you know, and that's what, same thing with the coverage. You still got it. Break it down at the end of the clock with a bunch of other mismatches. So now the four man's guarding the three on the perimeter who he's not used to. The three's guarding the four on the box. The one's got the five on the box and we've got, we're staying to who we are and everyone's touching it. Everyone's happy. Yeah, you know I mean, that way, sitting down, unless you've got a big time player and I've never coached LeBron, you know what I mean? Or I've never coached that kind of guy. You know what I mean? But let's and and I do have guys that can get some stuff done that way, but but also is is the, the international style is a bit more movement, is finding those mismatches. And that's why I wasn't any good at it, because I couldn't, I wasn't strong enough as a leader to get that done this year, where you'll stay in our stuff and understand where everything is. But but at the school I got that done and it, it took me a while. So um when I look at this thing, you're gonna switch one to five early. We ain't going to pull up because we're going to get that same pull up at the end of the clock. And that's the biggest, biggest thing that we preach to our guys that way. And then if you want to go get a layup or a quick basket, get on the rim. Yeah, you know I mean, that, that's the big one. So, but it doesn't always go like that. But you want to get the majority of it. You definitely want to get the majority of it because as we learned this year with our guys and as, um, as one of my guys said to me, coach, I'm only human. I'm going to have bad days, you know, and, and a good uh, thing for all of us to remember when we're coaching, right? <laughs> yeah. He goes to me, we, uh, we did a lot of losing this year and he lost his mind at practice. Um, and he comes in and he apologized. He's a great human being, great. One of my favorite human beings, uh, Mango, Mancock Mathiang. And he goes to me, he goes, coach, I love, but I'm only human. And I go, I'm good with that, man. I'm good. With that. And it's the same thing, the way they play. I love it. And uh, as coaches are closing their eyes and visualizing some of the great examples uh, you said, I, I want to dive a little bit deeper in terms of uh, spread. And I know penetration reaction and, and marrying those concepts out of a spread are really difficult for some coaches to do uh, a little bit. First off, let's talk about some of the ways maybe you tr you create some gaps to be able to attack. And then talk to us about penetration reaction. Say there was a cutter out of spread and they're at the basket, whether they cut a drive or however they got there, doesn't matter. What are they doing? to get out to space, get into space, get out to space? What are they doing to get out of space in your system? Well, I think what we're saying to our guys right now is if the ball's going towards you, you, you run away from it. If it's going away from you, you, feel, you, feel, you basically feel behind. If you're running towards someone or you're running towards someone in the court, your, your ability to back cut in the five out. Because what the the five out does for penetration, there could be always someone in the corner in the way. You know what I mean? Basically, because if you, you can't have three on, you can, it's hard to have three on a side. So that middle penetration, the great thing about it, and sometimes they get the lobs in the NBA, is when you're dribbling towards, and if you can time that back cut correctly, and uh, there's a lot of talk about that is, leave on the jump stop. 
you know, leave as the defender comes. You know what I mean? I think it's everything. I think you're in the corner, you play basketball. You know what I mean? And then you can teach when you should have gone. You know what I mean? And that's the best thing about coaching. You can live in that coulda, woulda, shoulda world with the players. You know, you should have done that. Let me just piggyback quickly because I've had coaches ask me for very explicit detail about when they should cut. And I've said that exact same thing to them. I said, you can't coach that. They, they've got to learn what's right and wrong. And generally, what you can stay, you can say start early and say it's better to be late than early, maybe as an initial Absolutely. part. But after that, I mean, they got to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a funny thing is like I look at them and I go, you're a basketball player, right? And they go, yeah. And I go, there's a reason why I stand on the sideline and you guys play, you know, and that's, that's the mindset you've got to have as a coach. But as a generic rule, now, at the school, I had a lot more. I had a lot more in it. I had, um, I think they called it the Euro Cup back in the, where they filled behind on a middle drive, you know, this and that, whatever. That, and, and that's where you do need to be a bit more specific. And then, and then, and then in, in that space, you know what I mean? Is, but is right now is, I know, I know it's real simple. I know it's not, but towards, go away, away. Fill, fill the gap thing, especially with five out. Two in the same spot, back up. You know what I mean? Two in the ba- same spot, back up. You know what I mean? And that's where that's where we penetration we've got to. And then a lot of times when you're drilling it, I would I would teach leaving on the jump stop to teach jump stops. You know what I mean? With with because again, is and I've spoken and different guys have different I've spoken to a bunch of coaches in our league or out of our league, and how much you coach players. You know what I mean? Is it? But and it's the same thing. Early, early, you 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 tighten it. Same with lane running, and as it gets close to to their time. So preseason early is your time. As it gets to their time, you got to give them confidence and let them go. You know what I mean? And then you pull them back a bit. You know what I mean? Because you've dealt with the rights and wrongs in the beginning. But early on, you can be that drill sergeant that way to a point, and then as it goes on, you loosen it. A, they'll pick up some habits from you, you know what I mean, in regard to it, and, and then and then the, and then that way. But that's my penetration rules to open up some stuff. We do have some cutting, um, you know, um, that we've we've got from the dribble drive um, that way. And then then in the pro game, it's more is are we handing it off? Are we pitching it? You know what I mean? Um, you know, or are we straight reversing it? You know what I mean that way because the cutting factor. There's only a certain amount of cuts you get in a possession and and the cutting part has gotten so much better over the last 10 years of basketball obviously because again traditionally when i played the cut was always to the rim and you had to cut straight to the rim and now you know a lot of actions that are creating space are these across cuts which are brush cuts across cuts whatever you want especially out of spread so talk to me a little bit about some of these uh, different types of angles on cuts that are valuable well well first of all when you're doing anything you do is you got to decide on how you're going to reverse the ball. You know what I mean? So who is reversing the ball for you? At um, In regard to some of the, I've sometimes reversed it guard to guard and then sometimes reversed it through the, the five. You know what I mean? Or through a big. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And a lot of times with the spread, it's the five. So basically what you're saying, if you don't have the five come out, you don't want to reverse it through him a lot of the time. And the reversal is a big part of basketball. You know what I mean? Getting that guy, I don't know if you've ever had a great four-man where he gets it and moves it and cuts. You know what I mean? There, and then you, you, you bring the bench guy in or you bring a, a guy up that it's a new guy and he can't make that cut or it's a new team. You sort of miss that guy a lot where you take them for granted, the reversal guy. So, um, I mean, we have, we have a couple of cuts in our offense. Um, obviously, the through cuts, the, the, the old school basket cut. And... Um, Right now is we'll generically make that through some action, through some action that we call uh, cut cutters, basically. You know, where we get three or four rim cuts in, into an on-ball. You know what I mean? Now we spread. If the one man, and you could do it differently right now is, if the one man's got the ball on the, what do you call it? The What's the 45 again? Slot. Slot yeah, 45. Man, yeah. Yeah. So the one man's on the, four, excuse me, I'm going to call it 45. Just Me so. too. I call it the 45. We're good. <laughs> so now is right now is if one's got the ball on the 45. And I know I'm not talking with a whiteboard right now, so I apologize. But now is, and I don't want to reverse it through the four, 
right? Now I can dribble lift. You know what I mean? So I dribble lift to the alleys and I, I back cut the five and, and spread him out. And now I've got a guard to guard front there. Now from there is you can run what we call a slice cut. You know what I mean? Where we reverse it guard to guard and the guy slices, come off the back and now he's looking to get to the rim. Hmm. You know what I mean? That way. Now we call that a slice cut. You can run in the middle of four, which is unbelievably hard to guard and sort of like confuses like is that illegal you know what i mean because it's not an illegal screen you're not so, so it's very hard to teach and we haven't gotten it done perfectly in our stuff yet or what we do is we do the same thing on a reversal so it goes through one uh one to five and then just say it goes to the three just say for instance just for the sake of everything and you've got two guys in the corner now what you can run is what you call we can run a slice cut on the side. We call it a blend. You know what I mean? Like where you get it and you're up. Now you've got to catch that high off the out, off the 45 so you can get your shoulders downhill and you're looking to penetrate. Now you're playing with that one. You know? So there's a lot, there's that kind of cutting for us where you talk about the non-generic cuts in, in, regard, to, uh, in regard to the spread game. You've, we've got those cuts in our repertoire, more so at the school than in the pro game. You know what I mean? Because you only saw, we've got to get to the point of it, and slice is a good point. Uh, one reverses to the four, you've got to handle the one slice as a four looks to get on the rim, or is in a dribble handoff or a pick. You know what I mean? That's as far as we'll go here. You know what I mean? Where, where it's that way. But what happens in the pro game if you're not a great running team? You forget the fact that you can score off. You know what I mean? You know, that, that way. And you got to allow, you know, because you've been so tight, you've got to allow your guys to play a bit. And it takes a certain amount of guy. So that's our brush cut series that we have in this thing. Then the other one is, is the old replace cut. You know what I mean? Is if the point guard's in the middle of a three side and usually either runners, we always say to our guys is you either pick away, uh, run a zoom action, or you get through, run a run a punch cut or a, a flow action or whatever you want to call it, right? The only one that's allowed to run a loop action where he comes back to the middle to get the ball up is the point guard. Mm. You know what I mean? And that's our old, that's the old replace cut. You know what I mean? That's the old replace cut that everyone. So in regard to that, we have three major cuts that that we drill without pick and roll scheming, and because I feel that. That a double on the on ball, a short roll, and a back cut is cutting action still. You know what I mean? Uh, um, that way. So um, they're the ones is, and then out of the corners, we got that back cutting action that that triggers, which is a great word, and I'm going to use it, which triggers us into our second phase. It's great. I mean, I can visualize those two ways that you just talked about out of uh, spread to be able to create a, a double gap to be able to attack, and in very simple ways. And to me, picturing. Again, even my under 11 team, I just picture those are the simplest things we can do and the most effective things we can do to just create space, which is always the answer, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's really hard. It's really it's really hard to get it down perfectly because I think I watched a clinic by Alvin Gentry on the thing is, and he was talking about running and cutting hard and and that sort of stuff. But then when he, we put it together, it's got to work all together. You know what I mean, when you run your lanes hard, and, and Brian used to use a word, and um, our GM just mentioned it to me the other day, pump the lanes. I mean, when you run in transition, you've got to run your first three steps hard, but then it's got to work all together. Mm. So if you drag it, if you drag it, you've got it. Now you're dancing. You know what I mean? You've got to hit it, roll it. The guy's got to lift a, a normal shake action, but that's got to work all together. So Gentry, Gentry did it. It was a great, it was a great teaching tool. Is he was like, yeah, man, you got to run in transition. There's no question. That's three steps of something that can go for most of the clock. You know what I mean? He started talking about his time at Phoenix um, before with D'Antoni. You know what I mean? Is where we ran our lanes hard. Well, that you're coaching three, three to four steps, maybe. You know what I mean? Maybe with some of those athletes, I had. Yeah, yeah. For me, is if I had to run a lane, it's ten steps. But for those guys. You're coaching three to four steps because he sort of brought it out. But then you've got to dance with each other and it's got to all work together because transition won't work if you run into each other. And that's what happens. And that's where the real coaching comes into it. And that's where I think the video really helps, really helps is where you come in, 
you let them play, not stop it so much at practice because it's hard to stop transition. Three on two plus one, the, the get back drill, um, you know, all those drills, those, those advantage, disadvantage drills that I know that everyone loves. I know you love. There is, is if you start, stop, you've got to be here. Now start from there. You can't start again transition. But you go in the video, you do five minutes of video and you go, yo, look how, look how you look here. And then some of these guys will go, man, we're standing together here. This looks stupid. And that's what Gentry's talking about is being all, you know, making it work all together. The running is easy. That's effort. It's getting it. And if you want to call it a dancing or, you know, whatever you want, being in sync, whatever you want to use as your, as your hot word, that's, that's what you do that way. That's the biggest thing with transition. I love that. The timing and the subtleties of the game are so important. And we tell, I mean, for the two side stuff, we tell the first player, obviously they're getting to the corner. The second player, which is the hardest thing to teach is to teach them to delay. Cause you're right. Yeah. Like they're, ta- they're traditionally, again, unintentional consequence of how we coach players play hard, run hard, but sometimes you yeah. don't want to run as hard as you're, you're taught to run, right? Run slower. So you have more space ultimately, and you don't get on top of your teammates. So such an incredible point. Uh, while I've got you here, do you break down, uh, you know, concepts what, relative to shot clock? So 24-second shot clock, first eight seconds, we're trying to do this, next eight seconds, next eight seconds. Is it that simple, or are there some different ways that you approach that in mindset? It, it was it, it was really um, – I, I have in the past and been unbelievably strict, um, especially when I was at the school, and then you get a different guard. Mm. You know what I mean? Then you get a different guy running your ship, and then you gotta you not that you gotta do it to their tempo. You gotta do it because again, is there's yeah we've all had um, a guard that looks like he has a lot or looks like he's not going hard, but inside of him he's moving. But the, he looks so relaxed. And then you've had the the hammers. Yeah, you know I mean the guys that just hammer, pick the ball like hard work in that way. So um, it has made me think about um uh, um that that way yeah you know i mean it, it may it may has me think thinking about it but what we do do is with the lane runners is making sure they get to the get to their spots in time and i'll keep continuing doing that where you've got to get and it'll be with research and it'll be something that's sustainable in regard to at practice if you do one trip and you go you got to get down the floor in 4 seconds and i know 4 is a a common thing is, well, can Tyler Harvey playing, especially this year where he was one lone import, you know what I mean? Is So when you put a hard and fast rule in, now he's playing 35 minutes a game and he's carrying our scoring because he is, our go- and he's got three guys on him. Now, am I going to give him an extra second? Or, you know, this, am I going to, you know, or is he breaking our rules? You know what I mean? Is what's important to us. So we, so in certain drilling, what I do is, and I did this at the school. If we have a one possession, yeah, because that's a muscle. Me- that's a teaching point. When you play, we we coach on feel. You know what I mean? I think you could have got there on time. I think you could have got there harder. Where in a drill, the drill teaches the habit. You know what I mean? And that's why we drill. The playing, you've got to be human. You know, with it where he's playing 35 and you're going to yourself and he pulls up and shoots a three on and he, and he tied a game for us on the 45 and he should have been below the bend. You know what I mean? Tyler, that's breaking our rule. You know what I mean? Where you got to see it for what it is. But with every team that you do is, because accountability is everywhere, when you start the game, you've got to be, because you're, you're setting the standard of the tempo of the game. You know what I mean? So you have to, you have to get those rules in. And I think four seconds down the floor is really good. I think it's really good. Is And I'm learning now is what we do with this trailing five-man with the 45s field. You know what I mean? Like, we've got the action, kick ahead, drive it. You know, um, you know, someone flashes to the, to the dunker spot. You know, that's all easy. But how we time the trailing big and running into an off, that sort of stuff, I think we learn that on the run. So everyone's got to remember that line. I mean, you're playing, you got to be human. It's, it's, yeah. it's such a beautiful way of saying it. Uh, that's, that's just great. 
we got to take advantage of your experience and, uh, you know, so many unique experiences as an assistant. Now you're shot as a head coach. So give us some advice for assistant coaches and uh, those that are moving one seat over to become a head coach. Um, I mean, but, but there's a, I got four points and the one one's pretty simple is, is it's never going to be the right time. You know what I mean? Like in regard to, so you got to have that mindset where you go into that, when you jump into that seat is, is as much as you think it is. And um, I was an assistant for Brian for maybe 15 years. Um, I sort of knew maybe I could get the job three weeks to go in the season. And it was never said. You know what I mean? He ne- there was never uh, an agreement, as everyone thinks there was. There was never an agreement. He was always grooming me. He was always grooming me that way to and helping me and educating me. But never there was never an expectation that way. And when I rolled into it, is is you're never you you got to always be humble of the fact is you're never and, and the people around you, your loved ones need to understand that too. Because you're gonna have feelings that you've never had before um, come up, and pressures that you've never you've never thought you've had. And it's funny, my my assistant now, who's 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 one of my favorite human beings in the world. I'm so glad I I um I'm working with him. He once said to me, um, and he's been in the job for like two months. I know what you're going through, and I said a few profanities, and I said, no way you do. Because I sat in your seat for 15 years and I had no idea. You know what I mean? <laughs> so um, the second one that's a massive one that a lot of coaches fail on, I was told before I took this job, is um, focusing on basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a tremendously hard year where we were always in free agency through um, obviously losing the greatest coach ever and then getting me. And basically that's how it was. Um, Lose, we lost a lot of guys just through circumstance, you know, free agency where we had some, and when you have success, um, you know, people want your guys, you know what I mean? And then obviously the injuries. So I was in free agency for most of the year. I would say for the last 10 games of the year, I wasn't in free agency. And then it sort of starts again with the year after, right? So what I learned early on is as we we're doing this recruiting process was, I didn't do any basketball and I did a bad job of focusing on what I love and that's hoop. You know what I mean? Now in the off season right now is, is I make sure I've got a commitment and this is one of doing two hours of basketball when I get up in the morning as like, as you would is if you go for a run or go to the gym, you know what I mean is, and I, you know, that way is. And then during the season, I got to get a mechanism and make sure I turn the noise off and focus on basketball because you can get focused on, media you know what they're saying about you on social media because as much as you say you don't read it if you have a social media account you get tagged in everything you know what i mean and you see you don't see it but you you feel it you know what i mean is um you know making sure you look after your loved ones around you um there is and then is because everything is and then free agency dealing with the players you know what I mean? And making sure they're all right, which are all, these are all important factors that I'm talking about, but you stop doing basketball. You know what I mean? Is that's, that's, and I went into a phase here where I just, and at the end of it, I said, I can't call my GM anymore because he doesn't have any more news for me because everyone's sleeping in America. So no agent is there. So what, <laughs> you know what I mean? So this is, and that's the mindset you get into. And then the other one is the management of the staff is Brian got me ready for it, you know what I mean? Because he let me do a lot of that. But the actual management in, in season and off season is, and, and I could never understand why he always wanted a small staff. I have a little bit of bigger staff because I need a little bit more help, you know what I mean? But I could never understand why he did that. Now I totally understand it right now, where mm. you have to spend time with these guys individually, just like your players. Because everyone, as we go, is is we have three three mottos at the Hawks. Uh, you know, no surprises, you know, when you walk through, walk through the door is, so that means, so we practice, you know, all the stuff that way that we're, you know, we're, we're always thinking ahead. So we, so we can get, we can deal with problems before they happen. You know what I mean? 
And the last time is individual time with players is, is really important. And, and, and now what I've learned as being in the head coach with staff, you know, what I did good this year, the only thing I did good, and I say good, not great, because people use the word great a little bit loosely, is I was able to keep those guys focused on one thing. And it took, and, and that did take me away from basketball, but it was more important than basketball at the time. Such valuable lessons. I mean, where do we go from there? We need another podcast to dive into all of that. <laughs> no, no, I, I just talk too much. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's 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 great, and it's great advice to be able to understand those things. And uh, you know, obviously, the part about uh, you know finding your own time as a head coach, whatever that's for, but finding your own time, as you said, allotting it like it's exercise, is such an important part, point because obviously you can get wrapped up in so many different things as a head coach. So protecting your time and honoring yourself is so important. So I'm so glad you brought that out, and you got to love it, right? You absolutely got to love it. If you do not love this. You know, like I always go, it's like a bad relationship. You have that little bit, you know, you have a little, you have a lot of times where it hurts you. The sport of basketball, especially coaching, players break your hearts, you know, this and that. But that little bit of euphoria when you get that big win or that guy makes five in a row that couldn't shoot it before you get here, man, it, it's, it's, you got, you got to get your kicks out of that. And what I've learned right now and what our guys have learned right now is when we win basketball games next year, we are going to enjoy every single win you know like it's like it's our 21st birthday you know what i mean because 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 there's always a losing season or something around the corner that you can't ever take winning for granted you saved maybe the best advice for last so thank you for sharing that and enjoy every win and every coach and every player should for sure we know the ups and downs of it all so jacob thank you so much for sharing the game with us thank you thank you to everyone thank you very much Coach, a brief interruption from our podcast to tell you about BasketballImmersion.com. Why do so many coaches coach like it was 20 years ago? Technology, research, innovation have all expanded our understanding of teaching, coaching, and learning. Change can be hard to accept, but with an open mind and willingness to learn, it is possible. This is what Basketball Immersion has done for so many coaches. Coaches at all levels of basketball from around the world have stimulated their coaching development using the Basketball Immersion membership community. Embrace the change that will impact your players and team beyond anything you can imagine. Join our Basketball Immersion community at basketballimmersion.com. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and to give the Basketball Podcast and this week's guest a shout-out on social media to show your support for us sharing the game. And to stay up to date on all things Basketball Immersion, subscribe to our newsletter at basketballimmersion.com newsletter.